University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. When I was earnestly praying about the words I might leave you with in my final two Sundays, uh, again, last week I told you I decided to preach on my first two texts that I preached at UBC. So last Sunday I preached on the text that happened to be my call Sunday, which happened to be the first Sunday after Easter. And so it was a post-resurrection text. And I was thinking over the last four plus years and began to think fondly and gratefully about what we have experienced and done together, both in the two years before COVID was a twinkle in our eye, throughout this pandemic, and now the place that we find ourselves in. And the only text that really, truly could speak and maybe try to capture my thoughts towards you is Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 1, verse uh, 4. So what sets Philippians apart from the other letters Um, is the context. Most biblical scholars that argue that Paul is writing to the growing disunity among members of the church. Wow, big surprise. We wouldn't have three-quarters of the New Testament if there wasn't arguments in the church. (laughs) It's nothing new. But Philippians is different. The issue must have been a bit more minor because in past letters that Paul writes to other churches, let's say to the church in Galatia or the church in Corinth, Paul writes some pretty heavy-handed, outspoken things to these churches. Take, for example, Paul's letter to the church in Galatians. Here's some of the uh, snapshots from things Paul writes to them. I am astonished that you so quickly deserted the one who called you to live in the grace and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Or take this, for example. You foolish Galatians, did someone hex you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Or my favorite line from Galatians, Why don't those agitators obsessed about circumcision go the whole way and castrate themselves? Paul is angry when he's writing to the church in Galatia. But Philippians is different. He's mild, gentle at best. What Paul shows us is just how fond he was of this church community. So what does he have to be uh, careful and loving with them about? Look at what it says here in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I will pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify for how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruits of righteousness 
that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, our first takeaway from this reading is Paul should not let the Galatians read the letter to the Philippians. <laughs> you can't read Philippians without having those warm and fuzzy feelings. Unlike Paul's letters, it, this just feels like one big hugs and kisses fest. Or as the kids would say, this feels like a bromance that Paul has with this church. You see, Paul is writing to conflict, but he feels differently about them. I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy. Paul's opening lines talks about joy and rejoicing and, uh, and, and this great deep love that comes from them that goes beyond understanding. And Paul amplifies his love to the Philippians by expressing that he has deep affection for them, a word used in the Gospels you've heard me preach on before that means a love that comes from the bowels or from the depths of his existence. So he writes to affirm them, to encourage them, to empower them, to, to challenge them, to continue to advance the kingdom of God. I have a ministry friend who asked me recently why, why I was open to leaving UBC, and my answer surprised him because I said, I haven't been open. I love UBC. I've been so fortunate to serve as the pastor here. And it's true. I love you all dearly. I've loved you all since my first experience with you way back in May of 2017 when Mike Masser invited me to do a video consulting call for the congregation he was pastoring. And I was just a, a, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Church Start guy working with a congregation in Louisiana like I had done so many other times with so many other churches. But I'll never forget my first interaction with UBC for two reasons. One was midway through the video call, a stern-faced gentleman got up in the middle of the conversation, walked up to the camera, and looked in it and said, I wanted to let you know that, ball, uh, that Paul Bear Bryant is the Antichrist. <laughs> and that was Bubba Henry. The second thing I remember is, I'll never forget, just how impressed I was with the level of conversation I was having with this church, unlike any other conversation I'd had with any other churches I had worked with for CBF. Little did I know that one-off that one video call would lead to, about three or four months later, getting a call from a lady named Rebecca Odenwall, and on the line was also a guy named Ken Tipton, and they asked me if I would be open to a conversation about entering into the pastor search process with UBC, and my response was, I mean, I'll have a conversation with you. <laughs> and the second conversation led to falling in love with Ken and Rebecca, which led to meeting the pastor search team, Leslie Kilpatrick, Glenn Linzer, Adam Ellis, Sherry Wischusen, Brennan Tice, David Patterson, and Todd Justice. And Jennifer and I came for a site visit in February of 2018, not knowing what to expect and leaving saying to each other that if the rest of the congregation is like the pastor search team, then we want to serve alongside them. And on April 6th, I met many of you for the first time. You introduced yourself to us, you welcomed us, you showered us with love. It was a whirlwind weekend of a 100% confirmation vote on my call Sunday. As a joke with somebody recently, I'm sure a few of those votes will change by now. <laughs> my first experience with you and what I thought of all of you then has only been amplified in the last four years as I can unequivocally say that I love you. You're extraordinary people. I get now why Paul wrote what he wrote with this deep sincerity from his soul. And why did Paul feel this way about this church? Well, he says this in the opening lines. The Greek word he uses here is because of their partnership. It, it, it's the word koinonia, which 
it can be translated as the word fellowship or community. That's, that's a, a prominent use of this word. The best example comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, where the writer writes, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with all of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. That word partnership, that word koinonia, means so much more than just church. It's a meaning of deep, abiding relationships with each other. And this is what Paul is writing to. He's not just calling them this distinctive term or this set-apart thing that we use, like the, we, the term ecclesia within the New Testament. He's calling them a community family, a partnership. And he's trying to express to him that this partnership is what he gives God uh, joy and, and sincerity in all that he's writing to them. It's a deep and it's an affectionate term towards them. So, so going back to Philippians 1, the reason Paul thinks so fondly of them is because they have this relationship with, together. And as I think about UBC, that it's an authentic community, a koinonia, it's a place in which each person abides, each person is respected, each person brings value to the table. UBC is a, a beautiful, authentic community. You can sense it from the first conversations you have when you walk in the door. It comes from each person's genuine desire to be here, to actively participate in the extraordinary work of this great faith community. Sit through just one of our spiritual formation and Sunday school groups, and you'll get a flavor for how people want to build life and grow together. Attend one of our gatherings and you'll have a sense of the strong relationships that abide here. Peek into one of our Sunday Barnabas project meetings and you'll see the beautiful intergenerational connections that are flourishing. And I think this is what's made our decision as a family so difficult is because of the extraordinary and wonderful people here. I think of some of my first early times here. Bo and Abner invited me to a round of golf at UBC, and they kept fighting over which one of them was going to have me on their team because I was out driving them by about 100 yards. Just kidding, guys. It was more like 150 yards I was out driving you. <laughs> have you ever spent time with the saint that's known as Nancy Merle? This extraordinary woman of faith has always lifted me up with her smile and insightful words. She, she sat here on my call Sunday, just days after... She, she put her, her husband to rest. How can you not be enriched by the brilliance and grace of Femi and Kimmy, who always greet me with a word of encouragement? Max Scott has made it his mission to be my friend first, taking me out to lunch throughout the year, and he has one rule that we're not allowed to talk about church stuff. I think about folks like Aaron Dunaway and David Kerfossi who've allowed me to be a human being and not some distant pastor, but a friend. I think of the commitment of our growing young adult groups, whether it be the Clenards or Courtney Brown or the Wilbanks or the Ellises or the Burns, the Trifors, or on and on and on. And these are, all of these things are happening because each individual has chosen to commit to one another to be the presence of Christ here in Baton Rouge and to show up and to offer themselves to the good work that God is doing in and through UBC. 
If I were to name all the personal experiences of this authentic community through UBC, we'd be here for the next couple of days. But a few examples come to mind. One day, the, the, the moving truck got here, and about 20-plus members of this church showed up to help unload and unpack everything out of the house to the point that we felt lived in for just a few hours after the truck arrived. For weeks after we arrived in Baton Rouge, church members came by and provided us welcome meals, or they took us out for, for lunches or for dinners. I'll never forget an early conversation I had with Bob Hawthorne, who said to me on my first Sunday— He looked me squarely in the eyes and said, Andy, I believe God has called you here. And if God tells you we need to burn this building down to the ground and build a new church 10 miles down the road to be successful, I will back you the whole way. Well, Bob, the good news is we didn't have to burn this church down. (laughs) And all you needed was a compassionate reminder of just how extraordinary you are. You've been given the opportunity to connect together and discover new expressions of God's good work through you. Paul doesn't just praise them for their authentic community, but he celebrates their partnership together. And being a part of a church community can best be defined in two parts. One is finding a sense of belonging. The second is giving one's best self. The church by nature and calling is a community of people who serve. And Paul is praising this church because they are partners in the community. They're collaborators in the work of God. Genuine community is an opportunity for beautiful partnership, sharing our best selves for the benefit of others and ourselves as we seek to fulfill God's good calling in our lives. I think of a few examples from UBC. Of course, you have Don Garland and Aaron Biggers who spend an immeasurable amount of time enhancing our facilities every single day here. Bonnie Ellis gives 10 hours a week to just volunteer in the office. Angel Stringer, Kim Dunaway, Leslie Kilpatrick, Bobby Germany, and Nancy Garland shared their time with families at the Family Tree Cafe. Millicent Hopkins serves on just about every committee that you can imagine. She greets on Sunday, she sings in the choir, and then she shows up at every single UBC event. Cami Davis reflects the same level of commitment, even when she was facing the difficulty of losing her husband. Kay Hawthorne has dedicated decades of playing these instruments over here leading the handbell choir. You have folks like Barry Kilpatrick and Jim Epperson and David Kerfossi and Sherry Wishoes and Lynn Goodwin and Trip Hawthorne and Kim Kwan and on and on that commit to things like personnel and finance committee. You've got people like Nancy Garland who volunteers in the Family Tree Cafe, serves on the children's ministry team, annually provides care packages for Highland elementary teachers, and sews curtains for the MDO and children's area and on and on and on. I think about people like Russ Futrell and Herb Bennett and the Parrots and Glenn Lindsay who are dedicated to advocating for real social and economic change in our community through faith-based partnerships. Then you've got people like Patty Nolan who've dedicated 30-plus years to the partnership at Highland Elementary School, whether through teacher care or reading friends and so much more. And I can't even begin to talk about our, our staff a dynamic team of called individuals that have moved hundreds of miles, in some cases from Eastern Europe, to give of themselves week after week to enhance the emotional, spiritual, missional, and relational well-being of this church. Look back at what Paul says in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify for how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This bottle's been sitting here for like three years, and I've never once taken a sip. I hope it's still good. Uh, I noted earlier that Paul uses 
that glorious Greek word here in verse 8, splognon, which translates affection or sometimes compassion. But you know from other sermons of mine, it's a term that comes from the gospel and which is trying to express how Jesus felt towards other people, and it says it came from the bowels, from the pits of his existence. It's an affection or compassion that comes from one's innermost being, and Paul is trying to express to them about their koinonia. It's about deep and abiding and authentic affection for one another. And I want you to know unequivocally that I have a deep, abiding, and authentic love for you, Because UBC is one of the most beautiful expressions of this extraordinary and genuine love for anyone who steps into this campus. And I wish I had time to just express how marvelous and wonderful each of you are. I thought about spending this entire sermon just going from left to right and up to the balcony talking about each person. I think about Martha and Charles. Y'all are an extraordinary couple who bring goodness and integrity wherever you go. Rosalie Bivens, a person of, of strength and commitment. I remember early conversation here where she said, you need to get your doctorate and I'm going to support you the whole way. Susan Riska. Oh, Susan. I wish we had more people like you. You're a blessing. And the commitment to all the people who serve alongside you. Gay course and your friendship and belief that I can pastor you and your family. The genuine joy you bring. Bobby Germany, your wonderful smile. Y'all, I'm going to get through this. (laughs) The wonderful stories you tell, the endless words of encouragement you've given me. JP and Lauren, I know we're about to lose them too, but... Your ability to befriend strangers and make them feel welcome and enrich everyone's lives. Bill and Sherry, I've laughed more with y'all than I know to count. It's amazing. The real conversations I can have with you, it's not a facade of pastor, parishioner, veneer. Uh, your support of backing all that we've tried to do here. Ron and Patsy. Our world would be a much better place if we had more people like you. Mary Ladner, just one of the greatest human beings ever. I accept your motion that I'm not allowed to resign, (laughs) as she's so lovingly told me the last couple weeks. Adam Ellis uh, has allowed me to be a friend first and a pastor second and given me space to, to have friends and feel accepted here. Uh, Justin Langford, I'm, I'm humbled by your commitment to uh, champion the views and insights of those who do not always have a place at the table. Grateful for his giftedness of art and music. It's second to none. And I thank you for being true to yourself. Your long curly hair and your straggly beard. (laughs) You enrich us because of who you are. Uh, Tanya, I don't think she's in here. I think she's with the kids right now. But 
John, if you'll communicate this to her. Uh, I wish I could bottle up her passion and her energy and her drive. I've been enriched by her commitment to learn and grow in new ways, and stretching our capacity to do something so much more, and her, her faith to move her family from Slovakia, that's not in Alabama, by the way, to, to South Louisiana, showing up with such an open and generous friendship. Eric, who would have thought that a church start discernment process nearly eight years ago would have us both here? You're a kind and patient and gentle person, reminding each of us to remember to see the best in others, even in the worst situations. Thank you for your commitment to care for others, to advocate for the voiceless, and a desire to bring equity for all. Y'all, I'm so sorry y'all are having to suffer through this. (laughs) Ken Tipton. I could never capture in words how I feel about you. (coughs) All I know is that this this whole adventure would have been worth it just just to know you. I'm a better person and father and husband and pastor and follower of Jesus because you've allowed me to be your friend. You're a gift from God, and I selfishly wish I could keep you just to myself. You aren't allowed to talk to him afterwards today. It's all mine. <laughs> God, um, I, my love for you and each of you is, is a microcosm of the affection I have for this church. And so my prayer is that you will lean into your abiding and deep affection for one another. That we'll learn from Paul that genuine relationships, strong partnerships, and authentic Christ-like love is what matters most in the church. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had countless meaningful conversations with members of UBC who many of the conversations have have centered around two questions. Why now, and how will UBC continue to thrive? And each time the conversation has turned to all the wonderful things that Andy has, has done here. And I quickly pivot the conversation to note that in all authenticity and sincerity, that all I have done is pull out and leverage what already existed within the people of UBC. UBC is indeed thriving because of the extraordinary nature of each individual who's here who shows up. So much of my sense of calling to UBC years ago was discerning just how extraordinary the members of this faith community are. And we sensed in the pastor search team thinking if the rest of the congregation again was like this that we want to be a part of it. And our hunches were correct. UBC is, is a gifted and engaging and wonderful group of people. And what makes you all so extraordinary is that you can relate to each other with so much compassion and grace and generosity. If you were to give an honest assessment of my time at UBC, you'd realize that all I've been attempting to do is bring you together in thoughtful and proactive ways. And by bringing you together for intentional conversation and creative activities and spiritual disciplines of having fun together, we've created opportunities to break down relational boundaries We've invested time together and built the kind of mutual respect and trust and love that leads to thriving. UBC is thriving because God has uniquely placed this set of people together in these particular contexts for such a time as this. 
UBC is thriving because you all have been willing to love God and love each other faithfully, discovering together what God is and will be doing through you. And let this be a comforting and empowering thought to you as you venture into this next chapter of your lives together. We've journeyed together through some pretty remarkable, creative, complicated, and innovative paths, finding ourselves, hopefully, in a much healthier place than when we began. I know I'm a much better person and follower of Jesus and pastor and husband and father and friend because of you. You've shaped me and formed me in incredibly wonderful ways that I can't even begin to express to you. And my prayer is that I have affected your lives at least a fraction of the way that you have affected mine. And so, I thank God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. For the first day until now, being comforted in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion into the day of Christ Jesus. For our time of reflection this morning, uh, we come to the Lord's table together, a time where we remember that all boundaries are broken down as Christ invites us all to the table, all of us. No matter our denomination, no matter our station in life, no matter where we are in our faith journey, we all are invited to Christ's table. And so this morning, I selfishly, we're going to have one line and one table we come to together. Um, an opportunity for me to serve you one more time uh, together. So here are the logistics, as we always have to talk about logistics for communion. We're going to drink out of one cup together. I'm just kidding. I couldn't even get it out before I was like, I need to make sure y'all know I'm joking. We invite everybody to come down this side here, and then you'll exit out the side here. So sorry if you're on this side, you have to come to this side. And sorry if you're up there, you have to come down here. Um, but let's come to the Lord's table together. Come.